Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and I am continuing this lovely walk with you down the lane of listening. Listening. I don't have my file in front of me, but I'm going to bring it the next time I'm in the studio about the statistics again. Remember I talked about how many, what percentage of our lives we actually read and write and listen, the listening is much bigger. But we don't ever have any lessons on it. Uh, I took a course some years ago, 20 years ago, maybe maybe even longer now, and it was a week-long course on listening. And the professor opened the class by saying, how many of you have ever taken a class on listening? And everyone looked around, and no one raised their hands. And that, of course, was his point. So we've been talking this year, since last fall, about listening for learning and love. And we talked about things that distract us from Christ, which cause us not to be um, good listeners to him or to his word or to one another. So I was thinking that somehow or another this quote, which was really life-changing to me, how it fit into listening, and I just recently sort of put the two together. So here I go. The quote is, all great spirituality. And I don't like sentences that start with all. It's very conclusive, isn't it? Like all? And I always want to push back and say, well, maybe most or some or a lot, but all? Great spirituality is about letting go. And I said, no, uh-uh, not, can't be true. But I, that, that phrase would not leave me. It would not leave me. It was, I, I think I look at it now, that it was God's way of penetrating my very, very stubborn, all-knowing, you know, I know a lot, so that means I know everything. No, not really. But I thought, you can't say all. There's so few things you can say all. And then words like great spirituality. Who defines great spirituality? But it wasn't that part that bothered me. It was about the letting go part. And I wonder if you've guessed by now all that rhetoric about why I didn't like it. Well, because I don't like to let go. I don't like to let go. Now, I'm not a hoarder. Don't misunderstand me. Although I have plenty of things... Now, I have collections, although I've, I've lessened my collections and given some of my collections away. But letting go is very broad and very big. And it has to do with uh, relationships and people and stuff and activities and it's very, very big, letting go. is very, very big. And it's not just a little sentence that says you should let go of that. In my years of 
teaching and training, um, training others to engage with the idea of organization, home organization particularly. I always say to the women who want to go out and help other women, make sure that you have some philosophical, theological reason for saying to someone, you can't keep everything because that's just not enough. Just because you said so, why not? And even if you get really practical and say, well, because there aren't enough perfect boxes in the world to store everything or buildings or all of the things you might say, no, you see, that isn't enough. But if you bring it down to a philosophical level, to a theological level, that all of life, and if we follow Christ, then all of spirituality, life, is about letting go. So I guess I wish at this time I was across the table from you, and I would say to you, what do you have trouble letting go of? What are you attached to that you have a hard time letting go of? I can feel an emotion in my chest just as I say that because I have things that I get attached to. And just about the time I get a little smug, I ended that. We sold our big house for a smaller house. It's not a small house in any way, but much smaller than we used to have. And I let go of a lot of things. Doesn't it sound like I'm patting myself on the back and saying, oh, good job. Look what you began. Because I came into this world without anything. Anything, you know? As my great Uncle Sam used to say, buck naked. I came into this world buck naked. I'm not sure where buck naked actually came from, but that's how I came into this world. And now that I'm on the other end of life, that's how I'm going out. So tell me what it is that I can't let go of. So there's a big psychological word that is multisyllabic. It just means the same thing, detachment. You know, people get attached. Letting go is detaching. It means replacing the attachment. And some of us get attached to things that are not good for us. Raise your hand if you've ever been in a bad relationship you didn't know how to get out of. If you were in studio, you would see I have both of my hands up. I have both of my hands up. It's not more than 30 years ago that there were four or five women in my life Wow, I don't think I've ever told this story publicly. Four or five women in my life who I came to recognize, the only time I ever saw them was if I initiated, set up a meeting, a luncheon or something, they came, we always had a wonderful dialogue and exchanged, they went home, and I never heard from again until I called them up and did the same thing. And I wasn't cleaning house, I wasn't doing anything like that, but I remember the Spirit saying, is, is, that, is that who you want to be attached to? Is that who you want to spend time with? I never was with any of those women that I didn't have a lovely conversation, sometimes a stimulating conversation. We had many things in agreement. But I was a person, especially at that time in my life, I wasn't cleaning house in any way. I was deeply searching, deeply searching for committed, long-term covenant kind of relationships 
with people. My husband and I with couples, me with friends and family. So sometimes it is a bad relationship. Sometimes it's an idolatrous, idolatrous relationship. Sometimes it's serving agendas and goals and successes like money and power and ego and productivity that are not attachment to the things that God would have us to have. So what does this letting go look like? What is the spirituality about letting go? I think I have to come to the passage in the Sermon on the Mount. And I, I've i said this, I'm sure, in your presence. And if you've been a part of the ministry, you have heard me talk of some of the groups that I've been privileged to lead. But about 25 years ago, a little longer than that, I um, felt the Lord say to me very clearly that there was a list of people that I should invite and bring together and create a group, and I did that. And um, in the 25 years, we've lost two members to that group, but the rest of us have been together, and I have this penchant for naming things. One of my dearest friends, every time we gather with a new group or something, she'll say, watch out, she's going to name us. And I always want to defend it by saying, well, I have to write you in my book. What shall I write? The five women who met last Tuesday? That's just too long. So you have to get a name. So this group was named the Lilies. And of course, I wanted to be theological about it, It really wasn't theological, except that the scripture speaks of the lilies of the field in chapter 7 of the Sermon on the Mount, that they do not do anything. They just live. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, the lilies, they neither toil nor spin, and I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not closed, clothed like one of these. They are alive today, and tomorrow they are thrown into the oven. Thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? Don't worry. Be like the lilies of the field. Well, if you know me at all, you know I'm not a lily of the field. <laughs> I'm just quite the opposite. But I have learned some things about this letting go. And I have also, I think, learned to use the God-given discernment that you have, everyone has the ability to discern. Now, I believe in spiritual gifts. They're listed four or five different places in the New Testament, and they're listed. And one of them is a gift called discernment. That's a gift where you can discern something about someone else or about some other situation. But all of us, as we walk in faith, gain godly discernment. Is that right or wrong? What does God's word say about it? What do the scriptures indicate we should do about it? It's all over that we help one another to have practiced self-godly discernment. And that's how we know. That's how we know what we should leave, what we should protect ourselves from. 
Um, there are passages in Mark and in Luke, in the Galatians that talk about my ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have a good opinion. I'm no more longer driven to impress God because Christ lives in me, Paul says in Galatians chapter 2. So what are these attachments? Naming them and confessing them and recognizing the priority they take over your life? There are, there are just endless long lists of them. Sometimes I try to describe them categorically, like mental, mental um, uh, attachments that are really important. What I read, who I read, who I share what I read with, really. Then there are physical I weigh too much, I don't weigh enough. I look so good, I don't look so good. I can't go to the grocery store unless I look like this. I mean, those are things that become attachments. Now, there's nothing wrong with any one of those things. Please understand me. Uh, What you know, what you read, what you learn, where you go, what you wear, what you eat, those are all very, very innocent and actually essential things. But it's when they take a priority over your relationship with God. So how often do you think about food? I mean, is it, you've just finished the meal. My husband and I used to laugh about this when we'd be on trips and holidays. We'd finish lunch and say, where are we having dinner tonight? Well, that's a little different than every mouthful. It it either shames me, makes me feel awful, or it gratifies me because I think I look better or, or worse. It's allowing these attachments to lead us, to win over us, where when God is calling us to take these things and reduce them, money, possessions, activities, reduce what you do, what you like to do, and enlarge what he may be calling you to do. There are times when we get into spiritual issues where we feel like without, without ever saying it, and this one speaks to my soul deeply, um, I, I have been engaged with the most terrific people, the most wonderful organizations that have encouraged me and that I've encouraged, that I've been a part of, served in or for or to, And, you know, I can take that rather braggadociously. You know, that organization always did wonderful things for God. That organization, well, never ended the year in the red. That, this this is about, no, this is not about that organization or Donna Otto or any power of it. Modern homemakers. We are just doing what we think God has called us to do and doing it for as long as we can do it. So what are things that keep you from keeping company with Jesus? That's a Eugene Peterson phrase. Are you keeping company with Jesus? What would that mean to you? Keeping company with Jesus? How much time do you spend with him every day? How much time do you spend reading his word? How much time do you spend listening? How much time do you spend asking God for things that you think he's burdened you or laid on your heart? 
It's been 40 days ago today that a dear young friend of mine who I've known for 35 years, her 22-year-old son was shot by a life criminal. The criminal released eight bullets, and a number of them landed in my friend's 22-year-old son 40 days ago. That was not on her calendar. That was not something she had planned. She was suddenly faced with the fact that what mattered most was what she could do, what she and her husband could do, what her family could do, what the hospital and the doctors and his wife could do. Possessions, schedules, timing, all of that went right out the door because something else held a higher priority. And I want to ask you, does God hold the highest priority in your life? Don't, don't hold me to this question now like fiercely and furiously. I mean the majority of time, does God hold the priority of your life? Do you try very hard to figure out what God would do or how God would do it? Do you let go of things because you know that all things belong to him? When we refuse to relinquish something, we often find ourselves blind to how attached we are to those things. This is kind of a spiritual exercise, a question you won't like. Question, I still feel a little, oh, do I really want to ask myself this question? So what, how would I take an inventory of things I'm attached to? What would your response to be if I said, is there something that you're not willing to part with? What is it? What's the first thing you'd say? What's your first thought? Okay, do you want to change your first thought and go to your second thought? What about your third and fourth thought? How much of it's possessions? How much of it is something that you have a sense of ownership about? As I say these words to you, I hear my mind saying, wow, my mind went even there. You're going to giggle out loud when I say this. But in front of me is my prized Bible. Yep, I've had it rebound twice now. I don't know how many years I've had it, decades. It's, it's a prize. I think it's the second Bible of my life. The first Bible I left maybe 25 or 30 years ago. This is the next one. That's my possession. I would be, because you know how Bibles get on the right side of the page? I think I circled it in pink. And it's easy to find, even though I can't remember it was found in Matthew 7, verse 29. Mm. Is that a possession I couldn't part with? Or that I have a hard time parting with? I'm asking you in this season of listening, listening for learning and love. I'm asking you to consider, is there anything that you find so great that you couldn't let it go? And if the answer is anything but Jesus, I want to ask you to reconsider. Because all of these things, as my uncle used to say, I came into this world bucked naked and I'm going out the same way. By choice or gladly? Or do I relinquish things and give them away to people while I'm able 
and part with them myself for the sheer discipline of parting with something you love. I just want to tell you one tiny piece of personal information. I gave something away some years ago to someone, that I, something I loved very much, and I gave it to someone I loved very much. Every time I am in this woman's home and I see it, it is joy unspeakable. It just feels so good to me. It feels this great connection that I had to it, this great ability to give it away. And maybe she really hates it, and when I die, she'll get rid of it. But right now, it lives in her home in a place that I know she can see. So think about it. Think about all spirituality is about letting go. Letting go of things that we love, letting go of things that are not good for us, taking time to discover what we are holding on to is or is not the thing that God would have us to hold on to. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of letting go of something.